0: Welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. It is really a welcome back because we have been enjoying our summer over here. And that means not recording many podcasts, but we are back. Megan is still uh, working on completing the Around the World in 180 Days challenge. (laughs) Is it 180 days or is it in in 80 days? I have no idea. I
1: think it's 80
0: (laughs) Regardless, we've... uh, We've been traveling a lot. Finally, I have a chance to talk some Yukon women's basketball this summer and timing is everything because if this podcast was a week ago, all we would be talking about is Jana L. Alfie, the performances that she was putting on at the U19 World cup. She dropped 38 points in one game. She was the leading scorer in the tournament with over 20 points per game, seven rebounds a game, multiple double doubles. And I think even what was more impressive than the point totals were the plays that were showing up on Twitter. The way she'd put the ball on the floor and just blow past a defender, the pull up shots that she'd hit, the step backs that she hit. I'm not comparing what we were watching to Brianna Stewart, but just in that mold of the big body who also has a guard skill set. And I think we also see that using WNBA examples with like John Quill Jones or Asia Wilson's a good example, Candace Parker, it looked like she could be that type of player. And instead of spending this whole podcast talking about how good she's going to be for UConn, how she's really that big that they've been missing for a little while, that matchup nightmare. We had to come back to an old segment called this player's <laughs> injured. Yeah. Cause in the 11, 12 game, that is not, an exaggeration. It was the game to decide who finishes in 11th and who finishes in 12th at the U 19 world cup, her seventh game in nine days. She went down after a free throw. It did not look good on tape. The next day, the Egyptian basketball federation said that it was an Achilles injury, but when you're reading anything through Google translate, it all kind of has to be taken with a grain of salt. It didn't look good. It was pretty much a confirmation of what we all expected. But then UConn really made it official yesterday on Tuesday when they said that she ruptured her Achilles. She will undergo surgery and she will miss the entire 2023-24 season. It's just unbelievable at this point that it's still happening. It seemed like we were past it. It seemed like, you know, no way could this carry on for a third straight season. Just kidding. It is carrying on, and they already have a player who's done for the year. Third straight year with a season-ending injury. Fourth season-ending
1: injury in the last three years. Yeah, it's just insane. Like, you can't make it up at this point. It's I don't understand. The, like, three people that I text about UConn basketball all got, like, you've got to be kidding me, text from me on Tuesday. It was ridiculous. But... It is what it is. I guess CD needs to start burning some more sage to hopefully stop, make this the last one. But it is really unfortunate that we get to talk about this instead of how good she's been. I think it was
0: Morgan Valley who burned the sage. Ah, wrong, because wrong wrong assistant. (laughs) I think it was Nika or one of the players literally thought Worth was on fire because of the smell. (laughs) And they were like running around trying to figure out who it was. And like Morgan walked in and they were like, something's burning. We're trying to figure out what. And she was like, yeah, I burned sage. So I think, I think it was Morgan, if I'm remembering the story correctly, but for all I know, it could have been anyone. Yeah. It's. I don't, You kind of just throw your hands up at this point. And I feel like we reached that point last year, but. I don't know what. You could even do about it. It happens on the other side of the world in a U-19 game. You can't keep your players from participating in national team tournaments. You can't prevent your players from playing basketball. If you're like, it's just such a freak thing. It wasn't even she stepped on someone or, you know, she tried to jump weird. She literally just stepped (laughs) and it went. It, it was not, dis- it kind of reminded me of the way that Stewie tore her Achilles. And that was the first place my m- mind went, where she, I-, I think Stewie landed on a foot. But even still, she just stepped, went down, and immediately you kind of knew what it was. I think Stewie's might have gotten reported first, but either mm-hmm. way, it defies logic. But at the same time, I think it kind of fits, or-, or is very similar to the ice Brady injury from last year where you have this really, I, she's still a freshman, even though she arrived last year, but she's a freshman. Those England, not those England, those world cup clips with Egypt looked really good, but I was only all watching the highlights. I didn't watch the whole games. I don't know where defense looked like. I don't know what her rebounding looked like. I didn't know what her overall game looked like. Yes. She was getting very high reviews from teammates and coaches, but, it's always a different story when you step on the court for the first game. We just don't know what kind of impact she could have had as a freshman. And it's just like ice. Yeah. Ice sounded like she was doing really well last year before the patella injury happened. I guess we'll know once they're fully recovered and finally on the court playing. But right now it's a pretty easy comparison to make because you just have no idea what she was going to do, how much she was going to contribute. Whereas Paige goes down and you can, I know we didn't want to say it when it happened last year, but yeah, okay. That's basically the season. They they had some nice <laughs> moments without her, but that's the season. We saw that in the NCAA tournament. Jana getting hurt isn't the end of the season. They can still do plenty without her. They still have plenty of options without her, which we'll talk about, but it does just really suck considering the week that she was having.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's nowhere near as catastrophic as the injury to to Paige was last season to this like team's hopes of whatever they're going to accomplish in in the next season. But it's still disappointing in that obviously it seemed like she was going to be a piece that at least contributed in in some capacity. It was going to add depth to that front court where there's definitely some question marks with Dorka Juhas being in the WNBA now. So a disappointing injury for sure
0: now you look at that front court and i don't think i'm worried about it but the way i was approaching it is you have Aaliyah edwards it's a very sure thing right there and you had pretty much total uncertainty behind there you really didn't have any proven options there but you had four people three of whom i think you should feel pretty good about with Janna, then Ice Brady, and Ayana Patterson. Out of those three, it would have been a pretty safe bet to say, okay, one of them is going to be someone who can play alongside Aliyah the way that Dorka did last year. Maybe not the exact same role, but just you got another really good big down there. And then even from what Ayana showed as a freshman, she's going to be able to help down low in some capacity. You hope it's much more than she did last year or it's closer to the high points of her year last year than you know when she wasn't getting any playing time towards the end of the year and then like everything we'd heard of Jana, yeah it sounds like she's going to be a contributor so there was enough volume there that okay there might not be much certainty but what they lack in certainty they make up for in volume and potential and even amari I don't know that I'm saying that Amari's going to contribute this year, but I'm not totally off the bus with her. She had a really interesting quote that I, I, I didn't even talk with her when we got to talk with the team this summer, but I found the quote where she said that she knows that it's taken longer to adjust to the college level than it should have. She, she's aware of that. She said, you know, she has anxiety, other mental health troubles that, have held her back, but she's in a really good spot and she's feels like she's ready to go. So there have been snippets, little flashes where Amari has looked like she could do something. So maybe she surprises, but it's nowhere near hitting the panic button with this backcourt, but you just lose one additional option for someone who could help. Now the pressure I think is really on those two sophomores Well, those two, I guess, second year players, however you want to categorize them in ice and Ayana, they really need both of them to contribute. Whereas before, if Jana was going to be a contributor, then you only really needed one of the two and you would have liked to have both of them. But now you really need both of those to do something and really contribute for you next year behind Aaliyah Edwards.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it just, it limits the options a little bit more, which which obviously puts more pressure on those two. But I feel like UConn's also in a good position with that, assuming that Aubrey Griffin is healthy, like you have that option too at the floor. Like you don't have to rely entirely on those two sophomores because you have a guard like Griffin that can could play the floor and you can put a lead at a five and you could still, even though Aubrey's small, it's like a big lineup in the way that she's athletic and can rebound and jump and everything like that. So you have those options as well to to help them out, to alleviate a little bit of that pressure for Ice and Iona to contribute. But like you said, those two now have a lot more on their shoulders than they would have if you had a third option in Jenna.
0: Yeah. And I do think the idea of a small ball lineup is pretty enticing for this team. Uh, Maybe like a four out one in, or like you said, Griffin at the four, but something like that, because Even before the injury, this team is built around the guards. And yeah, you have Aaliyah Edwards and you expect her to be a force. But if UConn wins the national championship in 2024, it's gonna be because Paige Beckers and AZ Fudd play like the all-Americans that we know they can. (laughs) It's as simple as that. It's because, you know, Caroline Ducharme is back at the level that we saw for parts of her freshman year instead of the struggles that she had as a sophomore. The bigs are going to be a factor in that, but this is a guard driven team and you have a lot of guards. There's a three that I mentioned. Haven't even said Nika Mule's name yet. And she set the single season program record for assists last year, beating Sue birds, basically 20 plus year old record. And then you've got the freshman in KK Arnold, who is going to see minutes and this is going to be really good. And Hayden Samuel, who from all accounts is a really good shooter and Ashlyn shade who can fit in in any number of spots. You have so many options back there that if that group is maybe a little ahead of these forwards that we're talking about behind Aaliyah, there's no Aaliyah Boston anymore. Yeah. LSU has angel Reese and they've got a six, six or six, seven forward coming in and Alia del Rosario Virginia tech's and- got size.
1: Oh. Yeah. And Anisa Morrow, too.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. We haven't so, about that yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and then Virginia Tech, you have... Why am I... Hit- Ver-
1: Kitley. Kitley. Elizabeth Kitley's go. back, yep.
0: So, it's not like there isn't size around the country, but I feel like you don't have a Leah Boston. Yeah. I am not as concerned about being beefy up front and having that size and being able to match up with other front courts because yes, it's a mismatch. If you're a little small down low, but Aliyah Edwards can really guard anyone on the floor. Aubrey Griffin is a really versatile defender. You're going to have options there, but 90% of the teams that you have, Aliyah is going to be more size than they can handle. You're going to ha- be able to play these guards a lot. And I think the flashes that we saw of Aliyah stepping out to the free throw line and shooting. If she's got maybe more of a three point game this year, even just plays more around the perimeter that gives you a really diversified offensive attack. I think that's a possibility too, especially Gino said they want to play up tempo. They want to play press defense. A lot of people are going to get subbed in and out. So I could see that being one possibility, especially now that you don't have Jannie, you have one less person. You know, maybe Ice is going to be realistically a freshman. So maybe she goes through a rough stretch and you've only got Ayana that you feel comfortable with. Or maybe you got to send a message to Ayana to keep her out of foul trouble. And Ice is the only one that you have behind Aliyah. But there's still a lot of combinations. We'll, maybe we'll know better after Europe. I still have no idea what the European trip's going to look like if we're going to be able to watch the games. If we're not, if they're just going to basically be the equivalent of secret scrimmages, but that's a very long-winded way of saying that I I wouldn't be surprised if it's a more of a guard heavy approach, just based on all the guards that they have.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think that's a good way to frame it. And even where they're gonna maybe lack in size with having left stuff in that front front court, if the guards are healthy, I think they're going to their advantage in that area is gonna overpower the disadvantage in the front court I do think it makes Aliyah Edwards even more important going into this year though because now she is really is the front court in a lot of ways and she's going to be kind of one of the most important people on the floor for this team night in and night out which she already was but even more so now
0: right I think it does help that she's had experience in that role Dorka missed seven games early in the year (laughs) last year. And Aaliyah played really well in those games. And those weren't just pushover games. You didn't play Providence and, you know, Xavier and Butler a million times. They played some good teams and Mm -hmm. Aaliyah that was arguably the best basketball that she played last year was when Dorka wasn't out there. So she really rose to that occasion and it's not like she won't have any help either. So yeah, It, a lot of weight will fall on her shoulders, but I don't think it's anything that she's unprepared for though. What we saw last year was very clearly a step forward. And I like the quote she had, her mom always said that the biggest room in any house is room for improvement. So I think that's a good way of looking at it. And I could see her being upset at that third team, all American spot and wanting to take that next step and get her name on the wall.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's unfair as it might be probably in some ways, the expectation for her going into this this season is that she's going to be at that more, you know, first team, second team, All-American level, especially with looking at some of the talent, like Gilly Boston in in that front court area that has moved on at this point. She should be making her way up there.
0: Right. Cameron Brink might be in a category all her own among bigs, but (laughs) after that. I think Aaliyah Edwards is more than capable of putting herself in that second tier. I mean, Cameron Brink is just a different animal. It's no disrespect to Aaliyah Edwards, but being, I think she could very easily be the second best big in the country and she could be the best at what she does because Cameron Brink is obviously more of the finesse passing, step back, shoot from the outside type player where Aaliyah Edwards loves the bully ball down low
1: yeah exactly they're very different players but i agree i think we're going to see especially given the the current state of the stanford roster i are going to see some monster numbers from cameron brink this year
0: yeah that i would love to go into a deep dive on stanford <laughs> in another podcast because <laughs> that is a heck of a uh, an interesting program to say the least right now they yeah there's there's a lot going on
1: there to unpack but Yeah, we'll save it for another one. We'll have to do a, like, around-the-country roundup at some point. (laughs) Yes, definitely, because
0: it's been an interesting offseason around the country in a lot of different places. Yes. Looking at some of these options that we've been talking about behind Aaliyah in a little more detail, I think it's a little tough that both Ayana and Amari had surgery this offseason, Ayana on a knee. I do wonder, I haven't been able to ask anyone, but how much did that knee bother Ayana this season? Did that limit her playing time down the stretch? Because I I really can't put together why she didn't play more as a freshman. Gino always says that he wants to reward hard work. And by every single account, Gino has even agreed with this. Ayana is the hardest worker on the team. And she's the clear number one in the weight room. There's never an issue with how hard Ayana's working. And he said later in the year, maybe like February-ish, that Ayana went through a funk for a little bit, but he thought she was coming out of it. He really saw a difference her in her in practice. And he thought she was going to be getting more playing time. And that didn't really come to fruition. And then the NCAA tournament opener against Vermont, she had, you know, a, a pretty solid few minutes at the end of the game. And he said, I hope that sparked something because we're really going to need her the rest of the tournament. And then she barely played the rest of the tournament and she played a good amount early in the year. So I really cannot understand unless it was the knee that was limiting her. And they just did not feel confident that she could play serious minutes with that knee. None of it makes sense to me. I can't put together why she didn't play more when, Everything seemed to indicate that she was doing enough to earn playing time. Everything. Gino saying that they were going to need her from the work. All of it. All of it. I don't understand how she didn't play more. So I think this could have been a really good off season for her to really make a jump. It still could be. Even just the mindset change going from freshman to sophomore year can be big. But that's it's not the end of the world, but it's just a tough off season to not be out on the floor.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think she would have obviously really benefited from having, you know, a full off season to be with the team and practice and all of that type of stuff that that would have helped develop her game. Um, so it is it's definitely a letdown to, to see that be the case. I do agree with you, though, about like it's very possible that maybe if the knee was an issue down the stretch of the season. It would just it would make things make a lot more sense, especially when you think about like she didn't play. In those NCAA tournament games and like Aaliyah Edwards was in so much foul trouble and they needed size on the floor and like would have been an answer there. And we didn't really see minutes from her. So it it would make a logical explanation for, for what didn't really seem to make much sense.
0: On the other end of the spectrum though, I think it's fair to start saying that ice is going to be a contributor to this team from all accounts, from what we heard last year, she was going to be someone who played good minutes. I don't know how much, but all indications were that she was going to be a contributor for this team. Everything that we've heard this summer continues to indicate that she's going to play a lot of minutes and she's going to be a real impactful player for this team. Chris Daly said that she's a really good offensive player. She's surprised when Ice misses a shot, which for a big, I think is pretty high praise az fudd said she's really strong she does what she wants down low she loves to shoot and i think the most eye-opening quote was from az where she said she's going to be great this year gino said she's really steady there's a really good pace to her game that's old old school she's really fundamentally sound not a thing in there has been mentioned about her defense but i think you can usually connect the dots over the summer when one person is getting this type of praise. It usually works out pretty well and they end up having some sort of prominent role. Not going to say right now that, Oh yeah, she's going to be an all American next to Aaliyah Edwards. And she's going to be, I don't know. Can she win Biggie's freshman of the year, but she's going to win Biggie's freshman of the year. I'm not going to make any of those predictions, but she's going to be one of the solutions to the front court. And hopefully lives up to that fifth overall player in her class I think she's number five that type of billing where you know this is the impact big that UConn's been hoping for for a little while
1: yeah exactly and while she's technically a freshman because she set out last season like she's still been around the program for a year and seen practices and seen the mentality and all that type of stuff so even though she hasn't physically been on the court or in practice like those things will still give her an advantage over, you know, your average freshman that just arrived on campus. Um, so I agree. I think she's probably expected to be one of the main contributors in that front court behind Olia Edwards. Yeah, and even just
0: the comfort level in the program, she's not spending this whole summer and this whole preseason just trying to get everything right and, you know, learn the program, learn the school, learn the expectations from the coaches. That's all in her pocket. Now she can just focus on doing what she needs to do to contribute. And I mean, it sounds like she was doing that last summer anyways. So just that comfort level is such a huge piece for any player in their second year. This is going to be someone that helps this UConn team a lot. I know I'm kind of being contradictory of what I just said, but she's going to help a lot. I just am excited to see how she fits in because what was really good about Dorka Uhas is she and Aaliyah Edwards had very complementary skill sets. Dorka was comfortable stepping out. She shot the three really well last year. She took over that Olivia Nelson Adota role as the passer down low. Whereas she was the finesse option to the strength and physicality of Aaliyah Edwards and not that, ice brady isn't physical and strong or not that dorka wasn't either but it does feel like she is closer to that finesse type than the bull in a china shop type player that Ali edwards is so i think she could be a really nice fit next to Ali edwards even if neither of them have crazy size neither of them are the rim protector type the way that nelson adota again as a recent example was but i could see those two working pretty well together
1: yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a very different combination than it was with Olia and Dorka beside each other, but I think it'll be really interesting how they play together. Um, but having two players that can kind of be physical down low could give you kind of an advantage, even in places where they are undersized.
0: All right, we've made it. I don't have a timer going here, but what, like 25 minutes into the podcast, and this <laughs> is going to be the first mention of Paige Becker's? it's pretty impressive it's not going to happen very often this season i don't think (laughs)
1: from all accounts (laughs) yeah
0: from all accounts she seems to be doing pretty well not cleared for five on five but the way she talks the way gino talked the way her teammates talk that doesn't seem like anything that we should be concerned about it's just why clear for five on five right now i think that'll probably happen they must be getting back to campus soon to start prepping for the Europe trip. So I imagine that'll happen within this next month. But even if it doesn't Paige says she feels good. Gino was very praiseworthy of her. He said, this is the best she's ever been the strongest she's ever been the fittest she's ever been. This is the most time she spent working on her body, her mind, taking care of herself. And he said that usually doesn't happen until they get to the pros because they just don't understand the importance of it when they're in college. So look, I think until I don't think there's ever going to be a point in this season where we confidently feel like Paige Beckers is going to be out there that next game, just because of the way these last two years have gone. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that happens in January, but there's at least enough optimism right now that she's going to get back and, Maybe right away she won't be the page that we saw before the injuries happened, but if she's anywhere close, that'll be good enough, especially early in the year. And if she can work back towards it and have a sidekick like Fud or Leah Edwards, unlike her freshman year where it was all her, <laughs> she doesn't need to be the page Beckers of her freshman year where it was all on her. If If she can, if the team can be strong enough to allow herself to work, her way back to that level that would be a really positive sign but from all accounts the arrow is pointing upwards with the page
1: yeah I think it's a really good sign especially if there's still months at this point of the season so everything you kind of want out of an update and like you said this team's a lot stronger around her now so there's room for her to not be at that level and then if she does get to that level that she was at freshman year with this team around her like I think we all know that means that they're going to be very good, but to be clear, they're going to be very good if that happens.
0: Yeah, I think if even if you just say, all right, Jan is a sacrificial lamb, they stay pretty healthy the rest of the way, meaning no one misses weeks like, at a time. Not
1: gotten some word right now, but yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but if that happens, I think this team is going to be pretty good. There's, There's too many options. There's too many different pieces. There's too much talent for it not to be that way. It's just how does everyone's health recover? But I have a question for you. Where do you stand on the debate of should she play in Europe? Do you think it's a good idea for her to get those games under her belt and maybe use those four games is not nothing to knock the rust off? Or do you just keep her in bubble wrap until the regular season starts considering what just happened with Jana,
1: I feel like I have a hard time answering this because it's like you can try to keep her in bubble wrap all you want and like she could still get hurt the first game of the season and there's like really nothing you can do about it like you can't never let the kid play basketball until you like absolutely need her on the floor I would maybe not risk it in Europe though just because like in case something's very physical or like something freak happens like why risk it then like but at the same time like she loves to play basketball so much and like how long can you keep her off the court if she's cleared
0: yeah I think there's a couple factors my my general answer would be you should play her in Europe but yeah what is the condition of the floor like what are the atmospheric conditions like if it's going to be one of those days where the court is really slippery and it's really humid then do not put her on that basketball court. If the, if the other team seems like it's playing too physical for an exhibition, pull her, pull AZ, let it, Aaliyah Edwards get in there and teach him a lesson, but you know, don't risk it in that regard. And I think another thing is how does Paige feel about it? Because if Paige isn't mentally ready and is still worried about that knee, then I think it's a risk to play her, <laughs> even though, yeah, that could be valuable for her to kind of knock that fear out at the same time, I think having that fear could also potentially lead to another injury, but if she feels good and like truly feels good and confident, then I think you play her because if an injury is going to happen, an injury is going to happen. Yeah. What happened to Jana was a freak thing, but it's a freak thing. Like you can't at a certain point, if you're worried about players getting injured, playing basketball. And I, I know it's kind of ingrained in all of us after these last few years but your only other option is just folding the program and never playing again like right. does it really matter if something happens in europe compared to the season opener or the second game of the year or the third game of the year i don't no. know i think that's not- <laughs> yeah so i think if she's ready if the conditions are good for everyone you know if she gets two hours of sleep on the flight over and you know is super jet-lagged don't play her but assuming everything lines up the way that it should I think those could be really valuable games for her to get that confidence back in her knee to knock that rust off and just to play in a game again because mm-hmm. it will have been a really long time since she's played in the game and has felt fully comfortable because you could see after she got back last year, there's never really a moment where it looked, where it looked right. It looked like it did before. So we're talking about almost two years where she hasn't played in many basketball games, feeling like herself, even if that doesn't happen in Europe, maybe that happens sooner this season. Four games is a really long time. I, I, I always think about how long a four game stretch could be during the season, but if that is the difference between her feeling like herself by let's say the start of December, instead of the start of January or even the start of February, instead of the start of March, then I think that's worth it. So don't be reckless. Don't be stupid. And they won't be, but if she's healthy and she's cleared and she feels good, then it would be really important for her to be in those games.
1: Yeah, exactly. and like, if something freaks gonna have freak like a freak accident is gonna happen like there's nothing you can do about that. So I think like I get why people think about it a lot because of how many freak things have happened to this team in the last couple of years, but like it is what it is and if it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen.
0: Yeah. There's it's basically if God chooses to smite the program once again, he's gonna find his way. Whether <laughs> exactly. it's in Europe, whether it's at Notre Dame I mean, if anything, they should just be canceling the Notre Dame series because that's that's where it all goes wrong. Yep. Start Enesh that game, accept the loss. Yeah. Starting lineup of Enish. I don't know. I don't want to say who the least important players on the team yeah. are going to be, but not Paige and AZ and Aaliyah. Those are those are yeah. your. Uh, that's your holy trinity right there for this year's team. If UConn wins the national championship, it's because all three of those are national are all American type players. (laughs) So protect those three, figure it out with the rest. But yeah. Speaking of AZ, she also seems like she's doing better. She said she feels good, feels healthy. Also admitted that before the Notre Dame game, not Notre Dame, before the Ohio state game, she had some of her worst practices of the year was just not in the right mindset She's another one who could really use a good string of health because as we saw at the start of last year, she can play and she can be one of the best players in the country. And as the roster currently stands, she's going to be the third fiddle on this team. So that is a really good team when someone who last year at the start of the year was the best player in the country might be your third best player. Yeah, that's (laughs) why
1: expectations are high for this team. Exactly. (laughs) Pretty much sums it up. I don't, I know that expectations are probably equally as high for LSU, but I think if you really take a step back and look at the talent, like if UConn is healthy, they still have the leg up.
0: Oh man. I know I shouldn't do this, but we have let, let's talk about LSU for a second
1: because
0: (laughs) let's not act like they were the undisputed. They just walked to a championship and they faced no adversity And they they were just by far the best team. They deserve to win. But you need a healthy dose of luck to win a national championship. And they got basically every single break that they could have. Utah airballing free throws. (laughs) Airballing them. They got lucky there. They got lucky by getting past Utah. Utah.
1: They Indiana lucky that they got to play Miami, period. <laughs> yes,
0: Indiana gets knocked out before they play. And not only do they not play Indiana, they play, what were they, an eight seed in Miami? Yeah, yep. Then they beat Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, one seed, they were in their way, they beat them. You don't have to go through South Carolina, who just wiped the floor with them on multiple occasions. <laughs> it's like it it's not a perfect example because LSU had a few more breaks early in the tournament, but just to show I'm not being that biased, look at UConn in 2013. Does that UConn team beat Baylor in 2013 if Louisville doesn't knock them out? I don't know. That is a whole nother story. But UConn got lucky that year because Baylor got knocked out and UConn didn't have to play them. So yeah. Then yes they add Haley Van Lith and they add Anissa Morrow. Those are two really good players. I'm not denying that right. they should be considered the number one team in the country. Yes, but if everything goes the way that it should, give me UConn's three three yeah. best players over LSU's three best players, and even beyond that, Yukon's going to have oh, a man. really solid group of role players. If Caroline's herself, again, I'm continuing to conduct the KK Arnold hype train. I think <laughs> Ashland's going to be an impact player. You know, Ice, Ayana, Aubrey Griffin. I I think we just don't mention Aubrey Griffin because of how steady she was last year, and we just kind of expect her to be there at this point, making plays. Like, she had, what, four points in that tournament game against Baylor, and she was the best player on the floor, whatever it was. So that's something that LSU doesn't have. So, yeah, UConn has a lot more questions to answer, but if UConn can answer those questions... I don't think it's just they're better than LSU. I, I don't think there's really competition for them in the country, but I say that and UConn has really big questions to answer. So it's nothing close to a foregone conclusion.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think LSU should be the preseason number one. Like They should be the favorite going into the season. But if UConn's healthy and UConn answers a few of those questions, yeah, they're they're the favorite pretty clearly and... Like you said, I don't know who else is competing with them. There's some other teams that are going to be good. I don't think like if UConn doesn't answer those questions, LSU is running away with anything. But um, I think if you really step back and just look at the talent on this UConn roster, if everyone's healthy and performing at the kind of level that you expect them to be, they're the best team in the country.
0: Also, let's just look at Kim Mulkey's history. It's not like she's got great (laughs) success going back to back. Looking at you, 2013 Baylor. (laughs) Brittany Griner. How did any team with Brittany Griner lose a game? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. (laughs) So, yeah. So LSU is going to be the preseason number one. And even UConn. I thought UConn had some really good answers about that saying, yeah. They should be the number one team in the country. Yeah, they do deserve to talk all the talk that they've been talking because they won the national championship. I think even Paige said, yeah, they've won more than we have. We have nothing to say. And I think it comes back to the team's mantra for this season, as (laughs) Gino put it ever so eloquently. That's the way they're going to approach things. And I think that's the way UConn needs to approach things because the last players on this team, in this program that won national championships were Nafisa Collier and Katie Lou Samuelson and one of them has a child that what is she already a year or she's close to a year? Yeah. And the other one is about to have a baby. So it's been a little bit since they've been at UConn. Yeah,
1: exactly. it's, it's been a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, I so they need to learn how to win a national championship. Maybe all they've been through is what it has is going to require them to learn and i mean it feels silly to say but uconn's really only won aside from 2013 they've only won the national championship when they are so much better than everybody else which that is not a knock on the program because you have to build rosters that are so much better than everyone else but it just goes to show how hard it is to win a national championship when you don't have brianna stewart on your team or you don't have the combo of tina charles and maya Moore, like yeah. that's what we're talking about with the last six titles so i think if this year's team wins it it probably would look a little something like 2000 where yeah maybe that's it's unfair to say that there's no like big stars the way that 2000 yeah. team did but it would take much more of a group effort unlike 03 04 where it's all diana or 95 where it's that Rosati Lobo led team, the ones we just mentioned with Stewie and Maya and Tina. Or, and I don't know. I
1: feel like there's a world where it's like a Paige and a Leo or a Paige and AZ like leads this team to a national championship on the back of two players. Honestly, even Paige herself and a certain degree. Right. I mean, what is
0: the there's just an alternate history in 2022 where. What if those injuries don't happen? What if Dork is not hurt? What if AZ is not sick? What if, you know, Paige is 100% in that championship game? Like, how different does that season go? How different does that championship game go? It's one of the great what ifs that we will not answer ever in UConn women's basketball history. Same kind of as 01. What happens if everyone doesn't get hurt that year? But yeah, I think there's probably a better way to say what I'm saying is there's a lot of different ways that this year's team can go, whether it's. You know, I think there's there's a possibility. I'm not going to say it's the highest possibility, but there's a chance that we finish talking about this team in a similar breath as O2 and 16, just in terms of the pure talent that they have, because Mm -hmm. the way that Paige was her freshman year and before she got hurt in her sophomore year was on a similar level as that great three of Maya, Stewie and Diana and what AZ did at the start of last year was unbelievable and what Aaliyah edwards has shown that she can do through three years and then you add in the others that's what made those two teams really great was that they had the great great players but then they also had an unbelievable supporting cast where you know four through nine there was no drop off in that level so that is that's like the ceiling of this team. I think is realistically being one of the better teams in program history simply because of the talent, but this talent is injured. This talent hasn't played much. This talent might still be freshmen. They're coming off injuries, all of that. There are question marks everywhere, but that's the ceiling. And as we saw last year, the, the floor could be very low too. There's so many question marks that aren't going to be answered until the NCAA tournament. We, yeah. It, that's
1: that's the weird thing, is at a certain I feel point, like, yeah. I feel like some of them could be entered before that, to be fair. Like, depending how they run through a, a pretty stacked schedule. But, agreed. Right. Nothing's really answered until March.
0: Right. If they pull a post Dewey era where they go undefeated in the regular season and then lose in a heartbreaker in the final four, who cares what all that before meant. When True. really... True. This is the year that if they, they got to get it this year, like Ali is going to be a senior, Nick is going to be a senior. Who knows what Paige does after this year? Like they've got good players coming in, and we're going to talk about them. But this is the year you got to do it.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So, speaking of the future, UConn got a new commit in the class of 2025. The first Irish-born player ever to play, who will be the first player to play for UConn. Born in the country of Ireland, Gandhi Malu Mamel, 6'5", currently plays in New Jersey. The stats don't jump off the page, but I wrote a story on her on the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly, if you want in-depth coverage of the Huskies all year round. Be sure to subscribe there only 70 bucks to subscribe for the year or six bucks a month. A lot of times I, I feel like this applies more in men's basketball, like especially with UConn, the UConn, the best examples I can think of are like Hashim, the beat Adama Sanogo, these players that have not been playing basketball that long, but they've got these unbelievable physical tools That someone just sees them and thinks, oh, man, if I can mold them the right way, they're going to be an unbelievable player. And Gandhi has been playing since she's 12. She's now 17. So in the span of five years, she's gone from not playing basketball to being good enough to at least warrant UConn using a scholarship on her. And when she committed at first, I was like, "Okay, this is PF Gabriel 2.0. You can't teach size. get someone who's big, tall in and just see what they can do. But (laughs) I think she came to the U.S. a year ago and the way she described her shooting form before she got to the U S was just chuck it up at the basket and hope it goes in. There was no form. There was no footwork. There was none of that. She didn't know how to do drills. She didn't know any of that. She just kind of went out there and it was like pickup essentially. So the strides that she's made in a year are pretty incredible and she still got two more years to go playing AAU, playing high school, just working on her development. I'm very interested how how she progresses and, you know, she's not ranked in the ESPN Top 70, but I think Shane Laughlin does a really good job with them with just all his recruiting coverage. So I'm really curious to see if he writes something up on her, if she starts to appear in the rankings, and if she does where she lands, could she be someone that flies up? So. She's a really intriguing piece, super athletic, close to a seven foot wingspan, and still a very raw athlete, but regarded as a hard worker, all of that. So going to be playing with the senior Irish national team that is not necessarily the most prestigious national team in the world in terms of basketball, but still that level of play is going to be a great exposure for her and... Yeah, this is, this is a lottery ticket, but I think unlike a lottery ticket, there's at least some reason to believe that they can turn it into something.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a gamble, but I feel like if anyone's able to take a player like that and turn them into someone that's going to contribute at the NCAA level, it's probably Gino. Um So, sure, it's a gamble, but it's, it's some size and if it works out, it could work out really in UConn's favor. Um, there's not a lot of six five players out there to recruit so getting one of them is is a big deal even if it's going to be a project
0: this is also a big deal for me personally <laughs> first <laughs> yes. ever irish player at uconn if you know anything about me this is basically my super bowl <laughs> i i had to be the one to write the big feature story on her because i mean if i didn't then what am i even doing here
1: <laughs> fair enough <laughs>
0: Another bit of news, so back in, I think it was January, the NCAA approved additional assistant coaches for a handful of sports. In basketball, they approved two more who can basically only coach. They can't do any off-campus recruiting. And UConn has used both of their spots. For a couple familiar faces, one of them, Ben Cantor, the video coordinator for the team. That name sounds familiar as a coach. He has already coached for the Huskies when Shay Ralph had to leave the bubble because a family member tested positive and they were just being overly cautious. And Gino was out with COVID. He stepped in as a temporary assistant from when we talked to the players, then they all gave him really high marks, really well liked in the program, obviously very well regarded in the program to get this promotion. And then an old friend coming back, Tanya Cardoza, Coached from 94 to 08 with the Huskies, won a handful of national championships, coached at Temple for a while. So now the Huskies staff, three out of the four assistants, no, three out of the five assistants have had head coaching jobs at other programs. Chris Daly is obviously Chris Daly. And. <laughs> They've all have significant experience at UConn. So I'm very interested to see how this works, especially with Cantor. I wonder if he's almost going to have the same job, but now he's just going to be allowed to implement things on the court and help out on the court, whereas before I don't think he was allowed. I don't know, but I'm I'm curious to see how his role is. And I think with Cardoza, it's just going to help take the load off the other coaches, one more person to handle film. Someone who, you know, Morgan or CD or Gino or any of them are off recruiting. She can step in and help out in practice and give another hand because I remember there's some days in practice where there's only two assistants there. So you got someone who's, who knows the program, knows the expectations. It's been a little bit since she's been here, but I'm sure they'll get a, they're, they'll get her up to speed soon.
1: Yeah, exactly. And obviously, I mean, it doesn't hurt that she's won a couple national championships too. So,
0: Yeah, maybe they could teach, he can, or she can teach him a thing or two about doing that. (laughs) On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection, the return of Chasing Perfection. We should be back a lot sooner for the next episode. Catch up on UConn and WNBA, the way Dorka Yuhas is playing. Talk more about the team, get ready for the trip to Europe. But until then, thanks for listening.